Oh, it's lit. <laughs> we prime time. <laughs> Subscribe, like, and share. <laughs> Give us your feedback. Yo, I'm Manny at the plate and Kobe off a of steal. Gretzky for the goal and Brady at the wheel. I'm a game changer. The Osaka of the tennis and breaking scoreboard. Simone of the Olympics. Defense and big business. The Mayweather who way better. From the greatness of Jim Brown, I bend down. Talk of sports before I was off the porch. Screaming bow nose while Jordan was playing horse. Late 80s getting torched by the drive in the shot. 2016 got a ring off the three in the block. They ease to forgot. The cardiac kids, Price and Doherty, Bell in the Indian years. This who it is. Your host, D-Train, yo, that's a name banger. Come in the streets and talk sports with the game changer. Yo, your host, D-Train, that's a name banger. Come in the streets and talk sports with the game changer. <clears throat> What's really, really good? D Trent, Game Changer Sports Talk, and the Street Sports, man. What's really popping, all right? Let me uh let me just say, you know, it's been quite eventful around the sports world. Uh, you know, for me as a Cleveland fan, you know, I am just so ecstatic about the year. And 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 um and, and just the possibility of things that's probably going to happen. Um, you know, I think this might be the most um, Cleveland has been talked about um, ever. Ever. I mean, usually during the offseason, we pretty much upset, like, bruh. Cleveland doing this, or we may be doing that, you know what I'm saying? And ain't nobody showing us no love, bro. You know, national media talking about everybody else. They talk about all these mediocre teams. They talk about all the, you know, good stuff or possible good things that could be going on with those teams. But when it comes to Cleveland, you know, they tend to just leave us out when it comes to positive reports. All right. And, you know, shout out to our front office organizations who've been staying the path, you know, who've been doing all they can to make our teams so much better and so much talent and not really caring what everybody else has to say or how they judge. You know, these front offices play it close to the chest. They're making savvy moves. They're retaining star players, allowing the, the organization and the fan base to grow and build with the players. Um, you know, even with all the BS that's going on, I like the fact that Cleveland is in the headlines every day because I never thought that we would really have this opportunity or this would really happen. So I am so happy that we're in the online like every day. Now, am I exactly happy about what we're in, the way we're in the limelight? No, but listen, you know, every journey starts with a first step, all right? And if this so happened to have to be our first step to long-term, you know, publicity, big publicity, then whatever, whatever, all right? And, you know, the hot topic with Cleveland is Deshaun Watson, all right? This is the case that everybody talks about, uh, you know, you go in different spaces, different platforms, different forms, you know, you go to the various sports media outlets and you go through their various writers and 90% of the people are talking about Deshaun Watson. And, you know, for me and quite a few others, you know, and I'm pretty sure it's thousands, if not millions of others who've been sharing the same sentiments as me. And they say, man, this whole case, publicly has been one-sided all right i don't remember now one time in this whole ordeal that the national media actually put out factual information that actually showed deshaun watson in a positive light especially when it comes to this situation so today was a very interesting day especially after the last few days of 
you know, or I would say last few days, the last few months of just different different platforms defending him, you know, different various people's defending him. So when they drop today with the, well, the NFL PA might get involved and they might expose things about the owners of said league who've done even more gruesome crimes or been accused of even more gruesome wrongdoings than Deshaun Watson, and they're barely getting a slap on the wrist. Oh, the sports world on fire right now because how many of these people have been just so indicting this man? This man went up against how many grand juries? He's been investigated by how many multi-billion and multi-million dollar companies about his personal ongoing? He has cooperated the whole time. So it's amazing how he does all of this. He still get crucified. And now when they finally figure out that, bruh, he ain't wavering. He is not going to change. He's standing on his ground. Now, all of a sudden, now y'all want to bring it to life. All right. And this is, and it's just for other people who, you know, who don't know. You know, I'm an African-American here, born right here on this soil. All right. I've been here almost four decades. and this is how it works, all right? You know, you'll get hemmed up in a compromising position. They'll over-dramatize and overplay what you did to scare you into comping to something that you probably didn't even do in the first place. They word is so sexy. They get all these other different people judging you and making you feel like you backed in a corner. And then guess what? You end up being penalized for something or over-penalized for something that you never even did. All because a person wants to accuse or make the assumption because of their own personal. And that, and that's how I feel. When people take stuff and just run with it, you're adding your own personal life to somebody else's situation. And that's the part where I, what I don't like. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to judge a person, if you're going to do all that, man, you got to be on the up and up about these things. You know what I'm saying? But anyway. You know, Mike Florio has been a guy who's been really, really adamant about said situation. And, you know, today he produced information that even though I still feel like he came a little biased with it, he, he, he put out the truth. And, I mean, that's all you can ask is people play the truth. So, you know, where once people were talking, oh, Deshaun is going to get two years. and He's going to get at least a whole season. That chowder is coming down now to oh, probably eight games. And, you know, we're only in June. We haven't even gotten to actual training camp and preseason when it's even more urgency to get – it's about getting the product on the field. Man, listen, I said this from the jump. He might not get no games. might get two games. And I'm still going to ride with that. You feel me? But nonetheless, Cleveland has a formidable team with or without Deshaun services at the beginning. And the league is scared. The entire league is scared. That's why these fan bases doing what they're doing. They are terrified. The last thing they want to see is Cleveland running the sports world. All right? Because this changes the whole game. Right on so many levels, but the Browns are in the week of OTAs, mandatory uh, um, OTAs, and uh, it's been going good. You know, reports say Deshaun Watson been killing in the eleven on eleven drills. All right, you know, last week in the voluntary ones, you know, he I guess he was getting picked off by John Johnson, and they was saying all this, saying all that, but I guess he came back you know, went back to the drawing board, came back, and he's showing them what it is. And I like that. You know, I like the high competitive between the offense and the defense because it only pushes them to get better, you know. And we're always saying that this is a top five roster. You added a top five quarterback. And and that's just at the beginning of the year. So if they show, if they go with trend and they end up at the end of the year better than they was at the beginning of the year, Oh, man, we talking about a whole different scenario with these Browns, boy. 
and probably by like week eight, week nine, we talk about how so formidable they are that they almost a shoe in to go to the Super Bowl. And I mean, we ain't gonna even get into the type of conversation that's gonna drive the sport, the national sports media wild when they have to legitimately say the Browns look like the best team in the league. You feel me? I'm talking about making him step it all the way up, bro. That's James. You feel me? I'm happy to be playing like that and make him step it up. Yeah. You got to push each other, man. Steel, sharp and steel all the time. You feel what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, the league is going to be interesting this year from all fronts. All right? And um, I'm excited to see what the Browns going to bring. You know what I'm saying? With that being said, though, we are a week away from the NBA draft, all right? And we are possibly experiencing the last day of the 21-22 NBA season, all right? You know, the Boston Celtics are at home. They're down 3-2 to the Golden State Warriors, all right? And we got to we we trying to see what they gonna do. Can they pull it out? Is is they gonna really be about that? I mean, I picked Boston in seven. Um, that still has a chance to happen. I'm not gonna waver from my point. You know, if they lose, they lose. Shots out to Golden State. I, I'm not gonna be overly upset or too disappointed if Boston loses and Golden State wins because neither one of them are my team. You know what I'm saying? But I will say, though, I just think Boston as a young core has done so much to get to this point. And them winning, like, really sends a message about grooming your own talent and building it up and only needing a couple of free agents to fit with your young core. Um, Hold on, y'all. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I like that point, especially when it pertains to these Cavs. All right? So, you know, it's well-documented. Cavs had the last pick in the lottery, which is number 14. And it's well-documented that a lot of teams are looking to make moves. There are a lot of teams in the top 10, top in the lottery, that's looking to move. You know, specifically teams like Sacramento, Indiana, uh, Portland, uh, the Wizards, the Knicks, uh, Oklahoma City with their second uh, first-round pick at 12. I even heard Charlotte was willing to move to 13. All right, so it is a lot of – ooh, listen, y'all. It, listen, it is about to get so, so real. So, so real in the NBA this offseason, all right? I mean, DeAndre Aiden could be on the move. Bradley Bill could be on the move. Um, We've already had a trade, all right? The Houston Rockets, the Houston Rockets traded Christian Power Forward Center, big man, Christian Wood, he is now a Dallas Maverick, all right? And he was traded for a whole plethora of players, all right? Bobon was in the trade. Trey Burke was in the trade. Sterling Brown was in the trade. Um, and the number 26 pick is in the trade. Now, granted, every player in this trade is on the last year of their deal. Um, So it works out for both teams in that way. I think it's really just Christian Wood for the 26th pick. Um, But, you know, they, you know, they had to make it work it out. They going, everybody looking to get some uh, cap flexibility, Um, especially when it comes to, um, when it uh, comes to building up teams, because shit, I think, 
what ninety five percent of the league is uh in a salary cap uh fiascos, and we just want to say it like that. Like they is uh is bad, you know. So it's gonna be a lot of movement, man. Y'all gotta excuse me. I seem a little erratic because I'm on here sharing. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get some more in here. So y'all y'all gotta excuse me for a second. Um, but uh. No man, it is a. It's about to get so real in the NBA. Um, I personally like what is setting up right now because I believe in parity, man. I believe that every um every team should be contending for a title every year. You know what I'm saying? I think that should just be automatic that every team is competitive. Uh, competing for a title. You know, if you do not make it, it's not because you wasn't trying. It's not because, you know, you don't have uh um you don't have the necessary talent to hold on y'all. Not because you don't have the necessary talent to to compete or to try to compete. You know, it's just that somebody else put they, you know, their chemistry and stuff is it just came together better than yours did. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's a lot of teams and a lot of players that's out of place. Um, you know, that's stars and role players. I just feel like they could be in different places contributing and really, you know, and really playing like like to they to their best ability. You know what I'm saying? It's been a lot of coach movement. Um, the last few seasons. Now, I don't think it's going to be too much coach movement this season. You know, Quinn Snyder's already left, um, uh, left the Utah Jazz. Um, but I mean, that's kind of seen, you know, Utah ain't really did nothing. But even they talk about Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert is probably going to leave. Now, a lot of people don't understand that, but I feel like this, man. Rudy Gobert is the reason that this situation is bad. All right? And believe it or not, y'all, it all stems from the pandemic. Because because of Rudy Gobert's antics at the start of the pandemic, which, which basically shut the NBA season down, I don't think Donovan Mitchell never got over that, personally. And I personally can't blame him for being upset about that, even still. You know what I'm saying? Now, granted, since then, Rudy Gobert didn't got paid. He didn't got paid. You know what I'm saying? And they seem his mainstays. Now, ideally, you would want to keep these two guys together and build around them. But whoever doing the team building over there in Utah, they suck. Like, they suck. Um, I don't even <laughs> – I personally don't see how the players they got fit around the the two stars that they have. But for some reason, somebody over there just thinks that works. And they should have been fired. Um, but, uh, you know, like I say, it's a lot of teams willing to make a lot of movement. This particular draft, I said this numerous times, this particular NBA draft has the potential to have 25 to 40 players that could have eight to 10 year careers in the NBA. Um, and I just feel like a lot of this has to do with how things are changing on the on the uh, uh, on the on the college front. Like when when player athletes are making that transition from grade school you know, to the in-between, which would be college or whatever, JUCO or whatever that is, then actually going to the pros. Like, you know, because of the NIL and things like that, the transfer portal and things like that, I just feel like you're going to start from this point forward in major sports. You're going to start getting more quality players that actually go to the league. Because once – it's established like, okay, I could become a multi-millionaire in college and never have to go to the league. And people that go to the league truly want to go to the league. They are people who truly want to work and put in that work to be there 
versus people feel like they got to do it to get paid. Some of these athletes will be okay with being college wonders. And that helps college too, because those guys can make money and they can spend a whole four-year career or five-year career playing in college. They can set whatever records and it is what it is and it's unaffected. You know, you can always have a conversation of, well, damn, you know, um, if this player would have went to the league, you know, would they have did this or could they have did that? And that's okay because that's good for sports talks and, and things to have something to talk about. But, you know, regardless of that, you want the best quality in any league that you have. You want, you know, it to be appealing no matter who's playing or what game you have going on. Now, like I say, this draft has a lot of uh, quality prospects in it, in my opinion. Uh, and when I say quality prospects, I mean, I feel like 80, I feel like, okay, I ain't going to jump on the tree with your percentage. But I feel like at least at least 50 to 60% of the players available in this draft bring a immediate, impactful, or tangible basketball skill from day one. Whether it's their defense, whether it's their, their dribbling or their shooting, uh, offense or defense, you know, whether it's their team play, uh, 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 off, off, you know, off-ball defense, whatever the case. I feel like a lot of these guys bring a tangible skill to the league, and they can end up in systems where they could really grow their games and shine, especially when you got the G League, you know. So I'm excited, you know, I'm saying all to say, like, I am really excited about what could possibly happen during this draft and during this NBA offseason because the NFL offseason was so crazy, all right? And it almost seemed like the NFL offseason happened forever ago. It, you know, a lot of people, we've been talking about so many different things and aspects for each team that you kind of forget, like, like damn, bro, we still in the middle. We, we're just now hitting the last final stretch of the offseason. You know, it's six weeks between here, between now and the official start of training camps that leads into the preseason. You know what I mean? And listen, bro, the it's been crazy, but this NBA offseason about to be bonkers. So let let's let's get into some of this. Um, you know, I've I've said that I feel like uh Paulo Bancaro should go um he should go to the uh to the magic. Um, but you know, it's really looking like it's either Jabari Smith or um Chad Holmgren. Now, I've had a little more time in between to really look at um a lot of their stats and highlights and things of that nature over the last uh, couple weeks. And Jabari Smith is a player that really, really, really stands out. Um, I did not realize he was as athletic as he was. I didn't think he had any type of dribble uh, capabilities. Um, but he really has quite a few, quite a few moves off the dribble. Um, it ain't a lot of crazy, you know. He ain't coming out doing the Vince Carter, or he ain't. You know, he ain't Chris, uh, Chris Webber or nothing like that. But, you know, if a person tried to play him at the three, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think you should. But I'm saying he's athletic enough to where he could pull that off in certain instances of stretches. And I could definitely see him going number one to Orlando. Now, Chet going number one. It's possible. Um, it's always possible. But I think it's even more possible that Chet could fall. Um, and a lot of people are not talking about that. Um, they think it's just totally inconceivable for a guy like that to fall. But unless you're saying that he's going to be what Evan Mobley was on defense, then I don't know if you can totally say that he's going to have that impact. Hold on, y'all. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, um, like I said, I like Chet personally, too. I think Chet is a nice, uh, 
you know what I'm saying, is a nice, nice piece. Uh, but you know, I think he, I think he fit better with OKC. Um, but man, it's gonna be interesting to see what moves is being made. I seen some rumors that said, um, Portland may be willing to offer the number seven up for OG Ananobi, which is, I think is way too much. I heard the Utah Jazz have been in talks with the Washington Wizards for Mike Conley, and the Utah Jazz might want the number 10 for Mike Conley. Are you crazy? Hey, listen, I don't really know what people be on or what they understanding the life is, but, bro, Mike Conley for the number 10? Ain't Mike Conley like 39? Like 38, 39? Man, that's crazy. I, You know, I think LeBron got a lot of these people fooled, man. LeBron got people thinking that you could just play in the NBA at a high level to you 40 routine. Tom Brady got these people fooled, thinking that they could just get on there and do this for for 20, 25 years, and, and, and it, it's just like that. No, man, listen. Those guys take care of their body so crazy. All right? They, you know, they do a lot behind the scenes to help them achieve what greatness they accomplish when they own the count. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I just don't see how certain players, you know, and I like Conley, bro, but the number 10 pick, I don't care what draft this is. That's just crazy. Um, Ananobi for the seven is crazy. Now, if some if if Washington was like if Washington was offering a ten for Ananobi, I think I think that's a that's not a, as a reach as the seven. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like at seven you could still get a franchise game changer. You know what I'm saying? If you picking right for your team, so I don't really, you know, the ten maybe not the seven. Um, the New York Knicks are heavy on the heels. To get a to get Sacramento's pick at four, because they want to be in a position to draft Jaden Ivy from Purdue. I'm gonna tell you what I initially thought when I seen Houston make that trade. You know what that told me that they're drafting Jaden Ivy. Now I could be wrong. All right. And they could be licking their chops to get Paulo Bancaro, and they're going to start uh, Algin, uh, uh, the uh, uh, overseas guy they drafted last year, who a dog. He definitely should be a starter. And if you put him with Paulo Bancaro, I think that's that's crazy. But they got a lot of wings they don't even know what to do with. Um, now, granted, you could probably find a a league guard because they got the seventeenth pick if I'm mistaken. Uh, they also got the seventeenth pick. Yeah, this yeah. Houston got the third pick. They got the seventeenth pick. And let me see if they got another pick in the first round. No, the third. Okay, so they got the third pick and the seventeenth pick. So to me, like, yeah, who just got the twenty? Yeah, let me make sure. Is that on here? Okay, because Dallas don't got the 26 pick no more. That went to uh, that went to uh, uh, Houston. Oh, and Houston got that pick too. I just thought about that. Now, too though, Houston could be trying to use the 26 pick and the 17th pick to try to move back into the lottery because it wouldn't shock me. Like I say, to me. Houston need two things. They need a, a scoring big man, and they need a lead, a lead, a point guard. All right? So they got those picks, and they got second-round picks. Um, they still got uh, Eric Gordon, who don't fit on that team, who should be somewhere, contending somewhere. 
and Eric, they reportedly won a first round pick for Aaron Gordon. They still got John Wall's contract over there. So, you know, they could be just building up more ammunition to make a move. Um, now, this probably ain't been said a lot, but could Houston be in the running for DeAndre Aiden? That sounds crazy, right? But he could be. Now, when it comes to DeAndre Aiden, though, I'm already, when it comes to DeAndre Aiden, I already said, I think Portland is the team to to beat out. Because if I'm going to, if I'm Portland, I'm going to DeAndre Aiden, I'm saying, bro, I'm about to pair you with uh, Dane, and we about to get y'all a wing at seven to go with y'all long term. Bro, I think that's the move. Now, Chauncey, the older, you know, he, you know, he know what it's like to win with vets and all that type of thing. And, you know, he a first-time head coach. Um, but to me, bro, I'm just like, you know, you got to build long-term. They got Anthony Simons down there who's really good. Um, they got Eric Bledsoe, who I don't think is going to stay on the team. Uh, they got Nurkic over there, who I'm not a big fan of, but a lot of people are. I just feel like Nurkic, though. I don't know, man. Like, he play good sometimes, and then sometimes it's like, how did you even get in the league? Um, but at the same token, though, oh, yeah, uh, Terry Stouts over there was they coach for a while. And I just don't think Terry Stouts was able to get the most out of that group for the way he was trying to run it. Um, I also think losing LaMarcus Aldridge really hurt that franchise. So get, bringing the DeAndre Ayton, I feel like is. And I just feel like, well, man, what y'all, y'all can't out listen. Portland can outbid them, and Portland got pieces on that team that they can side and trade. Because I would definitely be like, listen, bro, y'all going to lose Ayton, y'all don't want to repay All right, take Nurkic. Give us A and you take Nurkic in the sign and trade. You know what I'm saying? Now, if Phoenix weasel fucking Portland out of that seventh pick, I would be so, so upset with that front with that uh front office in, uh for the Trailblazer. But I could definitely see the A and Nurkic sign and trade thing. Uh you may have to throw like a uh Nasir Little in there or something. Um you know, and, and that probably fit it out. But I um but Phoenix, I don't know why Phoenix trying to let Aiden walk. I just I I don't I don't even understand that. That just makes no sense to me, man. Especially when you're trying to let him walk and you want to keep a guy like Jay Crowder. Now listen, man, I ain't no Jay Crowder hater, bro. But what the fuck does he actually do? Okay. He's six six, he's not a three, he he's more of a four. He's not a great rebounder. He's not a rim protector. He's a, a perimeter stay with you. He can hit some open shots. He can't dribble. He's not a high flyer. So what the fuck does Jay Crowder do that he's so much more of a valuable piece than DeAndre Aiden? This shit just makes no sense to me. But, hey, listen, Phoenix, I fucks with you. I was saying before Chris Paul left the LA Clippers, that he should have been, went to Phoenix. He just went like three seasons too late. They still doing their thing. Chris Paul is like 38, 37, though, about to be 38, bro. You're not about to get the mo- a lot out of him. I would never suggest that they break up Booker and Aiton when those twos are cornerstones. Um, but nonetheless, like I say, I like Portland's chances out of everybody's chances to land DeAndre Ayton. That's where I think he's going to go. Um, Sacramento, Sacramento, Sacramento. Sacramento is interesting because why the why are you trying to trade the fourth pick? Like, I don't have no understanding. On who in Sacramento think it is smart to trade the fourth pick in this draft? I'm who running the show over there? All right. 
whoever traded for DeMontis Sabonis, that was a very smart move. A lot of people don't like it. Oh, you traded away Buddy Yields. You traded away Tyler's Halliburton. You know why. But at the end of the day, De'Ara Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are perfect complements for each other. Because DeMontis is a skilled big man who he may not be a number one option, but he could be a number two option. Very good. De'Ara Fox is another guy. He's fast. You know what I'm saying? He moved. He got a little all-around game. But he's not a number one option. He's a number two option. And definitely, definitely a killer as a number three option. So Sacramento needs a legitimate number one option. And preferably somebody who's going to play the three. Um, so I like Keegan Murray at that slot. Uh, a lot of people got Jaden Ivey going there. They got a Shaden Sharp maybe going there. I like Keegan Murray. You put Keegan in between DeMontis and Fox. They still got DiVincenzo over there. You got Rashad Holmes or, or somebody, or maybe you could swing something else to bring in somebody. You know, you got uh, Harrison uh, Barnes contract. You could easily trade him and get one of these big men that can come in and play defense for you. Maybe you ship Harrison Barnes to uh, Charlotte. Bring back Plumlee or something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that I don't think that's a bad option right there. You know what I'm saying? Because you just need somebody that's going to be a rim protector and a rebound that's going to allow DeMontis to do what he does on the offense side and be a weak side defender. Uh, I, I like DiVincenzo with them because DiVincenzo was a scorer. And he's a guy who can who can get his shot off the dribble for real. You know what I'm saying? So him with De'Ara Fox, actually I feel like it, it really kind of complements each other, especially for what De'Ara want to do. But now you need a legit threat at the three. And that's why I like Keegan Murray. You know what I'm saying? He's going to come in. He's going to score. He's going to defend. He's scoring the paint. He's scoring from outside. He can get in the lanes. He can run the floor. That's perfect. Um, I like, you know, but let's get to the team because I know I, I've been talking about a few. Let's, let's get to the Cavs, all right, at 14. And the Cavs, period, with this team. Now, last time I was up here, I was talking about what is the role for Karis LeBert? You know what I'm saying? And I just personally feel like like Karis LeVert has a lot to do with what we do with the 14th pick. A lot to do with it. Because some people see Karis LeVert as a shooting guard. Some people see Karis LeVert as a small four. I personally see Karis LeVert uh, with this team as a backup lead guard. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to keep screaming this to the mountaintop, okay? You can get Karis LeVert to rotate in between Darius Garland and Colin Saxton, bro. You got a fire rotation because either of these guys could get their shot and still get the ball to others. I hear people say all the time. Oh, Colin can't pass. Oh, Colin don't pass. Oh, Colin a ball hole. You know when they judging that off of? When Colin didn't have nobody to pass to. When Colin was really the only only talent on the team that was either healthy or actually wanted to be on the team. By the time y'all actually got Colin some help, Colin got injured. Right, but Colin can pass. And if you watch Colin leading up to the NBA, you know for a fact Colin can pass. If you actually watch the games when we was only winning 22 games a season and you see how many assists they messed up that Colin gave them, man, we having a different conversation. But nonetheless, Levert, Sexton, and Garland would be a formidable guard rotation against anybody. Because on any given night, that trio in the backcourt could give you 60 points. Each one of them could hit you for 20 points. And if you can get 60 points from your backcourt, night in and night out, 
That is a threat. All right. Then you got what they got in the big man slot. Now, when it comes to this big man rotation, I think about three players. I think about Mobley, Allen, and Marketing. Again, just like our guard rotation, those three at the big man slot are such a nightmare. All right. That group could get you 50 to 60 points a night as a trio. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say at least 45. They can get you 45 to 60 points a night as a trio. Speaking of marketing, Mobley, and Allen. All right. So if I can get 60 points a night from my backcourt as a trio, and not get 60 points a night possibly from my frontcourt as a trio, bro, that's 120. I mean, I ain't, I ain't the greatest mathematician in the world, but that's 120. Even if you only get 45 and 45 for between those six players, that's still 90 points a contest. I'm not even including the rebounds. I ain't even including the assists. We just strictly talking points. And that's important because the Cavs already have one of the best defenses in the league. They already have one of the more formidable defenses to go against. What they didn't have was an ultimate score, which is why Colin Saxon is so important. But I'm highlighting those trios to understand that. You got those guys, and you build around that right there. Now we're just asking, what can we get from the wings? What am I getting from the three position? Or people rotating in to play those positions. Or the guy that I rotate in to be a facilitator, you know what I'm saying, with my trio, when one of my trio, it has to go down. If I lose two of my trio in the backcourt, who's my fourth guard? All right? If I have to lose, one of my big men to foul uh, trouble, you know, whatever that may take. Who is my fourth big man? Those are two two important questions. And then it's about who starts at the three. Listen, I personally believe that whoever the Cavs draft at 14 should start at the three. That's just me. All right? You should start at the three. Um, because it's the talent available in this draft for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? My guys that I like, that I feel like will be there, is Ocha Abaji from Kansas, Tari Issa from LSU, and Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. All right? Each of these guys bring a skill set that you need. They play defense at a high level. They bring you something tangible on the offensive end. Now, if the Cavs could work it out and they could somehow trade Chetty and trade Love and, and, and make another move and they can get two more draft picks in this first round and come away with all three of those players, I would love it. I would love it. It's not realistic, but I would love it. Love it. If we could have come out this draft with uh, Abaji, Tari Eason, and Jalen Williams, that would be raw. And then, and it's like this, right? A lot of these teams that's looking to make trades, acquire pieces and move pieces, all of these teams are going to need a third team. They're going to need a third team involved. All right? And if you've been looking at Kobe Altman and how he's been acquiring pieces, he's always called them at a good time where he can help. I got a piece that you can use that's got a salary that matches up. I'm going to need something good in return, though. And in this, he got Jerry Allen, and he got Lori Martin, just moving like that. And, it, and it's been noted that Kobe Altman is a guy that teams like to negotiate with because they know he's going to be realistic about the situation. So... I would, you know, it ain't, it's, it's possible. I think they can pull something like that off. But we're going to see. But uh, I feel like, though, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, uh, Karis LeVert influences a lot what we do at that position. Uh, I, I mean, of course, the other biggest talking point is, you know, 
Colin Saxon and, and should they bring him back and how much money they should bring him back for. And, uh, you know, I'm a guy that feel like, uh, you know, Colin, um, you know, I feel like the team is built around Colin, uh, personally. Uh, I feel like, you know, he the whole, he, he the reason they got the players and skill sets that they got. Because Colin is a scorer and he's a closer. And he plays with a lot of heart and passion. And he's a leader. That is something that is not getting talked about. Colin Saxton is a legitimate leader, bro. All right? And y'all better stop disrespecting that man. I fully expect Colin to get a $100 million contract. Now, whether it's four years, $100 million, five years, $125 million, I don't expect Colin Saxton to get lower than that because nobody has shown me that they're, they've earned the right to take Colin's spot. Nobody. Even if people say, oh, well, he only, he only averaged 16 points a game last year. Even in those 11 games, the Cavs were 7-4, and he was still the most efficient guy on the team. So we're not going to try to push the false narrative that, oh, he was good on a shitty team, and he can't fit with a good team. When in an 11-game span, you showed that he was very efficient and he was still a leading scorer. So that's why I say the 13th, the 14th pick, I think they should be looking for a guy that can start at the three because I'm going to keep saying this, bro. If your bench three is Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, and Laurie Marketing, you have a really good fucking bench. Like, that is a nice young bench that you can run with. That would destroy most benches in any, any all over the league. You can bring in Karis at the one, you can bring in Okoro at the two or the three, you can bring Laurian at the four or the five, even if you ran them one, two, and five. And that way you could put a Lamar Stevens in a Dean Way, or you do them uh one 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 two and four. And then you could put Lamar Stevens or Dylan Winner. I like Winner. I like Winner. You can put Winner right there, you know what I'm saying, and whoever. But I'm saying too though, with Karis Levert. If they see Karis Levert as a small four or a shooting guard, more so than a backup point guard. Now, I think it's very possible that the Cavs could draft a big man at 14. I think I know that sounds crazy, but I feel like if they're going to do that, I just, you know, part of me is probably biased because I don't want to see a situation where we keep Kevin Love and Chetty Osmond on the roster. I just feel like, you know, them guys are taking up spaces and and minutes from guys that actually fit the role better. I think I like what Love brought and I and I like what he do. But I feel like Lori Marketing services that role better than what he's doing or what he could do. Alright? I like um I like Chetty. But I feel like Chetty is keeping me from seeing what Winner can do in that role. You know what I'm saying? It's a two slash three. You know what I mean? Isaac Okoro is only 20. So he ain't going nowhere. If it's up to me, Isaac Okoro going to be on this team for the whole rest of his career because you can't teach that type of defense or that type of knowledge. And on the offensive end, the longer you stay in the league, bro, the better you get at offense. It just is what it is. Unless you don't work on your game at all. You know what I'm saying? So. Okoro doesn't strike me as the type of guy that doesn't work on this game. Uh, but these Cavs, though, I'm excited, bro, for this offseason, bro. I'm excited. The draft is next Thursday. The uh, NBA Finals will be over by the end of the week because they play today. And whatever they don't do today, they either going to play on Saturday or Sunday. Say Thursday, they probably play on Sunday. The finals don't go past Sunday. So we either crown in Boston in, in a few days 
Well, we crowning the Warriors tonight. If you're asking me, man, if I'm going with logic, I say Steph tried to top Giannis and put up 50 in the closeout. Um, just because Steph a competitive guy like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, I would like to see Boston win on their home field and push it to a game seven, personally. Um, but, uh, you know, whichever one of these teams win, like I say, that bodes well for the future of the Cavs because both of these teams are homegrown. They drafted their players. You know what I'm saying? They, they grew them up in the system. Uh, they've stuck by them. They've developed them. And, and they've been able to build a succession core, a, a core of successors behind them uh, that still get a chance to play with them, play at a high level, learn how to play winning basketball, and can eventually take over for them. And that's that's something where I want to see the Cavs at. You know, and I feel like right now they have the foundation to do that if they stay the course. But I need to know how y'all feel. Do you like? Karis LeVert as the backup lead guard and uh and Laurie Marketing as the backup big man. Um, you know, do you feel like whoever the Cavs pick at 14 should be the starter at the three position? Should they be looking for that? Um, or should they be best player available? And again, you know, what can we get for Chetty Love? Chetty Chetty Love. What can we get for Chetty Osman and Kevin Love? Are you willing to move them? Do you think Wendler can do better in Chetty Osmond's role? These are the questions I want to know. These these are the questions I, I want to see answered. So I appreciate y'all rocking with us today. I am D. Trent. This is Game Changer Sports Talk, Industry Sports. It's been a pleasure. Make sure you all subscribe, like, share. You can catch us on Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, you know what I'm saying, Instagram, Facebook. You feel me? I roll me. But we on everything, all right? But it's been a pleasure rocking with y'all. Make sure y'all like, share, subscribe. Be easy, man. Stay blessed. Oh, and it's a heat wave. Stay in some AC or stay in some swimming pools, bro. Don't be outside if you ain't got to, man. Don't put yourself in danger like that. But it's one love, man. I'm going to catch y'all later.